Hey friends, Catlaw Hedquist here with a reminder that locally owned and artist operated bizbooks.net is still your best source for plays, acting books, scene books, teacher resources, and much, much more. And as you, like we, are clearly fans of Sabrina and YVR Screen Scene, we want to offer you 15% off your next purchase with the coupon code SCREENSCENE23. So come check us out at bizbooks.net, sign up for our newsletter, and follow us on social to learn what's new. And if you're in the Vancouver area, Watch out for one of our pop-up shops throughout the year to come say hello and shop in person. Remember, Screen Scene 23 promo code is only available at bizbooks.net for a limited time. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain on the Vancouver film and television industry and celebrate its beating heart, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger. Today, well today, I am stoked to welcome Tyler Funk to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. If I've timed this correctly, this episode is coming out just in time for Halloween. And that is apt timing, my friends. Because even though Tyler's documentary is not horror, it is still one of the most terrifying films I've watched this spooky season. Tyler's film is Anything for Fame. It's a documentary about influencers. And I'm going to try to talk about influencers without sounding 9,000 years old or using phrases like kids these days. But the truth is, these influencers hold sway over kids these days. According to a 2022 poll conducted by the Higher Visibility Digital Marketing Agency, one in four Gen Zers aspire to be influencers. One in four aspire for a kind of fame that didn't even exist a decade ago. And it's a kind of fame that is especially addictive and especially fleeting. As the internet upends traditional notions of celebrity, anything for fame journeys into the virtual wild west to profile an ambitious and reckless breed of content creator. I was gonna say emphasis on reckless, but you know what? Emphasis on ambitious too. Hungry for notoriety, they venture to unprecedented highs and lows in pursuit of that white hot commodity clout. Take Ava, who rose to worldwide fame because of a video where she licked an airplane toilet seat. Ava, though, is almost supernaturally self-aware as she describes the moment she realized she needed to lick something in order to go viral. We also meet amateur stuntman Peter, who routinely defies death and homeland security to leap between urban rooftops and climb iconic landmarks, and self-described dumb as shit prankster Jake, who stages hair-raising hijinks inspired by the Jackass franchise. One of Jake's first stunts involved him shooting a pellet through his cheek. That video earned a million views in an hour, and Jake was hooked. Online fame can exact a devastating price. While stars rise with meteoric and disorienting speed, they can plummet just as fast, with heartbreaking results. 
Anything for Fame shares those stories too, and also offers some context for why these mostly young people, kids these days, want to be influencers in the first place. What I love most about Anything for Fame, as a parent and an old, is that it lays bare the many facets of this sometimes destructive phenomenon without judging the young people who engage in it. It's rich with empathy, perspective, and style. And also, as a parent and an old, it's terrifying. I am terrified. I am terrified for these young influencers. I am terrified that my kid will want to be an influencer too. Anything for Fame is currently streaming on Paramount Plus in Canada, Germany, France, New Zealand, and Australia, and as of November 8th, will be streaming free across Canada on nfb.ca. And we've got filmmaker Tyler Funk in the YVR Screen Scene studio today to talk about his wild ride into the wild west of content creation. Tyler Funk, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene podcast. Thank you. I, I experienced a lot of emotions watching your film. A lot of it, I had my hands up, my fingers up, in front of my eyes, watching through my fingers uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, does this reaction sh shock you? Like, what is the appropriate reaction to anything for fame? You know, that's a great question. Honestly, it's one I've never thought about per se. I think there's so many, there's so much to unpack. You know, all of our characters live in such um, complex worlds. Yeah. And, you know, the genesis of this really was looking at different creators and, and saying, what's going on behind the screen? It's very common that you share with your friend, say, hey, look at this stupid video. You know, this is either so ridiculous or these kids are so dumb, but who are they and what's going on? Yeah. Um, I kind of liken the film in some ways to when everyone slows down to look at a car crash, mm. right? Everyone's like, why do we all do that? Why do the cars always slow down to stare? And in this case, our leads are people that are on purpose creating those card crashes. Yeah, I'm not any less terrified there. What did you know about this world of influencers before you began your journey into this, what we call the wild west of content creation? Well, uh, like you mentioned, I'm also an old. I'm 35. Uh, and that, is that an old? I guess you're a millennial still. I'm 44. I just turned 44. I'm like right in the, I think I'm called middle-aged now. So I am definitely an old with capital O. Yeah, well, you know, I, I felt it <laughs> hanging out with all the influencers. I definitely, you know, I was, I was an old. Um, but, you know, I was, I was so lucky to grow up before the internet, right? Yes. I had my youth before the internet. We did a lot of dumb shit before the internet. Oh, yeah. And there is a huge, you know, I think Ava even mentioned it in the film of like, there's a huge freedom for that. Mm. Um, and it's a very different reality to grow up now, to try and get attention, to try and establish to the world who you are. Yeah. But you can't really change that as quickly. You can't say, hey guys, I was a jerk yesterday. I'm sorry, I apologize. That's not really me. Now, if you do something like that, it's on the internet, it's there. So I grew up in a small town, Banff, Alberta, uh, with a group of four friends, you know, really tight from kindergarten on. I had more friends than four, but four key friends. Uh, and we all decided uh, in grade, I think it was grade six, we're gonna come to Vancouver and make movies. And so there's myself. In grade six? In grade six, I had like written down in my journal. Um, and so I came out here uh, to go direct movies. And with me was also my producer and editor friend, Sebastian Mercado, who worked on this film with right. me. Um, and then another friend, Connor, who's no longer, you know, he's working in the industry as a writer. Um, 
and then another friend, David, who was an actor. Mm-hmm. And David would always do the most crazy, outrageous stuff for our attention uh, or for the attention of whoever was around. He loved to put on a show. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, when we came out here for film school, we were going through a bunch of stuff. Uh, he ended up taking his life. Um, and that was we were at I was actually at Langara at the time we were living together and that was like a really you know it changes your world to lose someone so close to you at such a young age and we didn't realize how much these calls for attention things that could seal like silly pranks were also a cry for help oh. um, and that's really why whenever I pick up my phone and I see crazy behavior on the internet um, right away I'm filled with empathy and I wonder what's going on what's this person's story why are they doing it what is it worth for them are they asking for help are they trying to monetize? What's going on? Yeah. And so that's really what started this. Now that took place, gosh, like 10 years ago. I still get emotional talking about yeah. it. Um, and then, you know, this was always with me of this, you know, seeing this behavior in my TikTok feed or my Instagram and, and trying to find out these other stories. Yeah, well, that explains the question of where did all this empathy come from? Uh, when, you, when you were having, you know, cause I, I know that anytime that, you know, a, uh, even me reaching out to do, you know, interviews with people who have never heard of the podcast before. There can be like some suspicion there. They want to know like what your, you know, what your intentions are. What kind of conversations did you did you have, you know, with these influencers, you know, as you, as you, you know, brought them in? And was it different than what you expected? Like considering the fact that you know these are these are people who, um, I mean, I think Ava was one, and I have I. Fucking loved hearing her speak. There's a lot of sadness around her, but she's also just so self-aware, you know. But she was like, "I have no shame," you know, which I found like really kind of shocking, you know. So, yeah, what were those conversations like? Yeah, great, great question. And you know, it was a huge process. Uh, we reached out to over 250 different influencers. We, I interviewed hours and hours of different influencers. We collected stories, uh, and then you tell people, "Hey, the name of my film is Anything for Fame." You know, certain people are like, "Yeah, I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm not touching that." Um, and, and, and again, always trying to explain, like for me, the anything for fame is it's, it's much on the audience. We as the audience are watching and encouraging this content. Yeah. It's not just the creators. These creators wouldn't do it if there was no eyeballs. Yeah. Right. And I hope the film throws that back on the audience a little bit to ask about why are we staring at that car crash? Um, I'm not. I'm watching cat videos, dude. There's, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my part of the, of TikTok and Reels, okay? <laughs> totally, totally. There's a lot of good cat. Yeah, videos there weren't any there. cats in your video, cat influencers. That's that's a bone I have to pick with you. I apologize. Please continue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, grumpy cat passed away, regrettably. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, so it was a huge process, and then you know we really found a lot of people just at the right moment. Um, Ava, we originally had attached. And and then she kind of blew up with the toilet looking video and was no longer really interested or available. Yeah. Um, and same with Jake, he had had a very on and off relationship with content creation. So he was in, he was out. And you know, it was over a year of talking to people that then finally were like, hey, well, we're filming for real now. Like we were doing the development interviews before. Now we're in New York. Do you want to hang out today? Yeah. And, th- and that's where it started. Um, and you know, like I'm, I'd say I've become friends with everyone, right? Like it's yeah. a documentary. You spend so much time. We spent 70 days shooting. Um, so that's a lot of time to hang out with people, get to know them, get to see their worlds. Yeah. I mean, I know I said that your film is without judgment, but me as the audience member, I had judgment. And I think maybe it's also being a parent. Like, and also, you know, uh, having people in my life who have addictions, having my, mo- my own mental health shit going on all the time as well. Uh, it, it, 
I, there's a part of me that wanted to reach out and like wrap these, wrap the, you know, Ava showing her, you know, her $6,000 purse, like her collection of like, you know, it must be like hundreds of thousands of dollars of purses and you're, you're watching people engage in like really like high risk behavior and stuff. You know, was there, for you as a filmmaker, and you've already established the fact that you're, you, you know, begin from a place of empathy what kind of line did you have to kind of navigate you know between like i'm concerned about you and i want to show what your world is like you know i i just i i can imagine that must put you in a because you're a human being yeah no it's it's a, an incredibly complex challenge right um my job as a filmmaker is to break into these worlds, is to show our audiences these worlds that haven't been before seen. Yeah. And this is with people that have tons of videos out there that have a, a they're, they're very good at controlling a narrative. All yeah. the influencers, they have a brand that they show. And so we're asking them to show a side of themselves that they don't show. Yeah. And I believe you get that access by genuine relationships, you know, by trust. Um, and, you know, we're also fairly straightforward on what we were capturing and, and we weren't looking to be exploitative. You know, I think there's definitely a way if you're filming, you know, OnlyFans content creators, it's like, what do you actually need to show to tell the story? Yeah. Right? And at which point is it just male gaze and gets really creepy, you know? Yeah. And there's a huge responsibility as a filmmaker to get that right. Um, and the rooftoping, right? There's like a very Ugh. big, you know, like... That's another thing I'm watching through my... Yeah, that was our first day of shooting uh, with Peter. We actually had to pull the plug on it and be like, hey, like, we can't do this. Because they were so excited to show us their skills, right? They were yeah. like, right up, let's get and here. And they're athletes. They're like, amazing. They have skills. I never realized how talented of athletes, how much work they put in. Um, but I'm also like, I can't see you fall today or any day. That's not what I'm here to capture. I, want, I don't want to be the reason that you, yeah. that you fall. Exactly, right? And it's, so we like, we want to capture your world. We want to capture you doing this, but I never want to do it for our cameras. Yeah. Let's just hang out. Let's go talk to your mom. Let's get this other side that's not I online. I love the parents and that as well, even though there was like, and I, I don't want to give too much away, although I don't even feel like you can like give spoilers with this kind of film because it's really, you have to like experience it. But yeah, we hear all the different voices of parents uh, in that as well. But I'm gonna put a pin in parents for a bit because I kind of want to end, end with parents. Uh, what were some of the things that you learned about this world, the world of influencers, that that surprised you or challenged maybe some of your uh, previously held you know conceptions about what their world is like? Right. So I, you know, I always had a bit of. So I've also created. I created a narrative series on Vine uh, that went yeah, viral you did. early early Vine days. You know, and so that show of mine, you know, did really well. It had like well, give it, give it million. some, give it some. Yeah. Put some respect on its name. Yeah, it's called White Ninja. White Ninja. Um, and I think it's on some of it's on TikTok now. We got to reformat it. But it did great. You know, we had 30 million views. We had Paul Shear, yeah. um, great cast, super talented voice actors, amazing team behind that project. Um, and so that was my first experience with the viral series. Um, but I never really was putting my face in it. You know, I'm mm -hmm. the director showrunner. Um, and so I had a little sense of like, okay, tens of millions of views does not mean you're making money off it. You know, I had a little bit idea, a bit of the economies that were at play. Yeah. Um, but you always hear in the news all the time of this influencer made $20 million and this influencer is now, you know, Forbes lists of the 10 yeah. riches, you know, like we love to talk about those stories. Um, but I think people confuse that sometimes um, with, you know, it's not everyone who picks up a basketball is LeBron James mm -hmm. and they're not making LeBron James money. Most content creators are not. And the numbers are really staggeringly bad. And that was a big one for me of realizing how many millions of views, tens of millions of views, some of these creators had with absolutely no money from yeah. it. 
Um, and that was, you know, it really asked the question then, you know, is it just for the fame? Yeah. And, and what do you do with that fame then, right? Like if it doesn't provide you enough money to keep even creating content, um, where does this all lead? Yeah. I. One of, I think, the most um, compelling characters, people, humans you had in your in your film uh, was Jumani, who as we meet, as we meet, this is somebody who wants to have, you know, millions and millions uh, of, of views, basically kind of wants to have, you know, the level of fame and money that some of the other people in your in your film uh, have. And I've, I've done some like I've kind of done some reading about him, you know, as well uh, and see that like at a certain point too, like he he's walks away from he doesn't want it anymore. This is a guy who who my daughter had heard of. It's like, oh, yeah, he would go in and trash like pharmacies and we're while wearing like, you know, the the uniform and stuff. What, what do you think is important to get from his specific story? I mean, you literally go with him while he he's buying an air mattress, you know, because that's all he has to sleep on. He talks about how he has to get one, you know, every three months. Like he's all about the anything for fame. Yeah, and you know, I, Jumani, you know, we're we're good friends. Uh, his story breaks my heart, you know, um, and I'm so grateful he let us capture, you know, his journey with him. And I think it's this thing of Jumani was really caught up in this notion that anyone can be rich, anyone can be famous. Yeah. Um, Hollywood, Hollywood's been selling that for years. Mm. Uh, I say there's places in Vancouver that sell that dream. Mm. Uh, there's places around the world that sell that dream. Um, and social media is no different, right? These platforms, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, they need content. They need it all the time. And eventually, you know, occasionally there'll be spend down funds where we're giving creators this much money for this little period. Um, certain platforms have done a better job with it. I think YouTube's maintained a better relationship. But yeah. the algorithm changes overnight sometimes. And people that are making a living sometimes aren't. Yeah. And you're also now competing with major media companies. Mm. It's not early days of YouTube. Um, the very early web where kind of any creator could go make something and explode. Yeah. That still can happen now. But I think there's something like a billion accounts, 111 million active accounts. Whoa. So those numbers are just staggering. Um, and I think Jumani was probably a bit misled mm. by, well, if I just do this, he, knew, he knows how to go viral. He's gone viral a ton of times. Yeah. But that doesn't really mean anything anymore yeah. with regards to monetization, unless you have a full funnel in all of this. And and that's where his story, I think, you know, hopefully hopefully by sharing it, it'll make other people to think about, you know, is that really worth going down that path? I think we all do crave fame to mm -hmm. some degree or another. And how does that show up in our lives? What are we doing to get the attention from those around us? Not, not necessarily fame of the world, but even that energy around us. And how do we act because of that? And is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, and I think, you know, I think sometimes if you can build that circle around you really well of your friends and your family, maybe you don't need that exterior validation as much. Right. And I mean, yeah, because when you talk about fame, you have this in your you one of the olds in the film, probably just my age, this guy. But you like you had, you know, some some people who, you know, work in this in this space, you know, more from an academic perspective. And like if you could in, just replace fame with like relevance or that you matter to somebody else you know and then it's like oh, okay yeah so you you matter it's like a dopamine hit you know unlike unlike any other like you know so you have to find other ways that you matter you yeah and because i think that was like a big learning for me on the process too of like yeah. what is this fame desire why do i want to be involved in the film industry what is this all about yeah. right um and i think those are always important questions to ask and you know industries like film and all the arts, right? I think you really have to give so much more than you get back. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think you have to understand why you're doing it. 
Yeah. Tell me about some of your most memorable moments from filming. Because I would imagine that hanging out with this this group of people, there isn't like no two days, no two days that were the same. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorites was when we first met Ava and Alex. Um, and you know, so this we shot this all during COVID, right? Yeah. And so we were always masked up, which was also harder to get you know intimate conversations, right? Because mm. I'm behind a mask a lot of the time. Um, and Alex, you know, just looked at me. We we just met, um, and he's like, "Can you take your mask off? Like, I want to figure out if you're hot or not." You know, and, and that's when I realized, like, yeah, I'm one of these olds here. That like, this, this generation's different. Yeah. Um, there's a whole different vibe, right? Like, that's like right off the bat meeting, uh, and that made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, especially when we went silent afterwards. Um, I was like, okay. Um, and you know, just everyone's home, like. Seeing, we were in a lot of people's first people in their home that mm. they'd had. Even though they were influencers online all the time, they were still following different COVID protocols. Yeah. And they weren't having people in and out of their house all the time. And so, you know, that was a very vulnerable state. Not only are you trying to make a film, yeah. people literally haven't been with other people. Um, yeah, we just said, we. I mean, there's so much... Um, yeah. Okay, I, tell me about the interviews that you did with the with the influencers sitting next to their to their parents, you know, because there's like, I mean, it's all different dynamics, you know, you know, between them, some that were like disturbing and troubling and heartbreaking and other ones where you're just like, she doesn't even know what an influencer does, you know? And like, just tell me about like some of the, uh, the, the vibes and the variety of relationships, you know, that you were picking up on. Yeah, that was, those were all really special moments in that, you know, everyone was willing to participate. Uh, and we were asking people to do something that a lot of them hadn't done. Hmm. And I, I think a big takeaway from the film, I think for every parent out there should be, if your kid's doing this stuff, just talk to them about it. Try and understand their world. And I don't think the responsibility is on the parent to make, sh you know, to uh, lecture them. But you want to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. And I think there's like, there's so much conflict because some of the decisions might be so bad, so poor, that as a parent, you're pulling your hair out and you're like, what is possibly going on? Yeah. Um, but it was a, an amazing space to see these conversations, right? And obviously in the film, it's it's a segment that's maybe five, ten minutes. I can't even remember. Um, but, you know, those are hour-long conversations and yeah. really powerful conversations. And one of my favorite parts of the film um, where we just got to bring these people together to talk about what had obviously been huge issues within their households for long periods of time. Yeah. How do you, as somebody who does work in the in the film industry feel about how do you feel about about the fact that you know people will spend hours you know watching little videos on their on on their on the TikTok the kids these days you know because i do hear and i've heard it from you know people who are showrunners or actors like you know i've you've, with a lot of judgment and a lot of scorn you know and be like that's not entertainment that you know about content creators you know like what what do you think like that both sides need to understand about the other. And maybe particularly people, you know, who are professionals, you know, in the in the traditional paradigm. What do they need to know? You know, I think change is always hard. I think it's threatening. Yeah. Um, I think that for traditional creators, myself, you know, I'm a director, that's how I make my living. Uh, it's, it is terrifying, right? Where all these people are producing so much content for no money. Yeah. So how does that work for my livelihood? How, how do I provide for my family? I get why showrunners would be very threatened by that. Yeah. On the flip side, as a consumer, if I spend an evening uh, scrolling through TikTok 
and I'm getting to a good funnel of comedy, it's actually probably going to be a better half an hour of jokes than any show out there because yeah. they're crowdsourcing the best jokes on all of planet Earth. Yeah. It's super relevant. It's super current. It's super fresh. There's so new voices, new faces. <laughs> yeah, there's, but there's so much. Like, how could a show ever compete with that level of information rate? Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I think as viewers, where we put our money will help create more of that content. That's why you've seen this explosion of OnlyFans, mm. which from a content perspective is a very positive thing. Content creators are getting paid for their content. Yeah. Um, and that's what we all want as filmmakers, showrunners, you know, in the traditional industry, we want to be paid. We don't want people pirating and we don't want this expectation that content's free. Yeah. But so long as there's this expectation from consumers that content has to be free, I think we're just gonna see more growth in the content creator space and away from the film TV space. Yeah. And it's really, are consumers willing to pay for content is kind of the core question there. And if you want to be a creator, you kind of just have to roll with whatever the consumers decide. Man, I feel like, I mean, you're an old, so you know, we were like talking about, like it's the same conversations we were having about music, you know, in the early aughts. So this film has been, it's been out there now, right? People have seen it. Yeah, it's been out for six months on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Uh, they had the exclusive on it. Uh, we were we were really excited. Um, and I think it was like around six weeks or so, we were on the kind of like top viewed section, uh, which was amazing. You know, we, you know, whenever you see your film next to ones with budgets 10x, uh, you, you know, the, the words getting around and that's, yeah. you can't really ask for anything more as a filmmaker. Just, you just want people to see your work. You want and, people to see your work. You know, even, even the people, you know, we've had a few critics of the film. Uh, I love hearing why people don't like it. Yeah. Uh, and there's some interesting questions being raised of like, you know, should you be platforming these individuals, and I think the answer is absolutely. If you That's watch the film, that's a question that people. That had. was one critique we had. Yeah, um, and I oh, thought like the audacity of you for platforming these people. Yeah, or, yeah. Are you you're feeding into their? Well, what an interest! Like that's a very interesting perspective to say. But why would you want to or whatever? But how else are we gonna gonna find out why? Yeah, and I I think empathy is really how we understand the world better. Right. I think everyone has a judgment point on influencers, um, but influencers aren't going anywhere. Hmm. You know, TikTok, YouTube are not going anywhere. I think we're all better off understanding it. And then we can start to say, hey, maybe we need to talk to the platforms about what are the other pressures at play that create this type of content? Yeah. Has there been anything in the response to the film so far that has surprised you? Or was that the one? <laughs> no, I, I think the interesting thing about the film is I really think it's one that you have to watch for yourself because people have such different takeaways. Mm. It, it kind of is a little bit of a mirror and it kind of ends up reflecting the viewer a little bit of where their head's at on social media. Because mm. um, we've had a lot of different takes. And, you know, by structure of the film, that's the design. We wanted different influencers to show different worlds. Yeah. So you could see yourself or you could see your daughter or someone who might go down this path. Maybe they're not going to become a rooftopper, but maybe they're going to do stunts like Jake. Oh, you know? God. <laughs> uh, but that was the design of the film, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is such a great part of the film in making conversations happen. Whereas if we'd stuck with just one lead, I think you'd be like, oh, this is, a, this is an extreme sports documentary. Mm. And it's interesting that you said that, the way that you said that, that it is a mirror because... Uh, I definitely watched it as an old. I watched it thinking a lot about my kid. Um, your film is judgment-free, but my judgment is that I want to spare my kid the heartbreak of wanting to be an influencer. What do you say to 
terrified people like myself like do you think i should be concerned is there anything that i can do to maybe like make my kid not want to be an influencer is that just like me being such a nine thousand year old old yeah i, th I think you're being a bit of an old there oh, you know, uh, I, I think it's, it's... I just don't want them to feel pain, you know? Of course, like, like all of us, right? But, you know, I've, I've told my son who's six that if he's ready to put the work in, I'll do it with him. And I think Ooh. that's the part. Can you be a creator with them? Can you help go on that journey? Can you help steer them towards the type of content to make that contributes positively, contributes uh, to the world? Um, that's a challenge. That's a challenge for all of us parents. Instead of being old and afraid, let's participate. Let's make it a better space. Let's be a part of that. And one, it's a fun activity to do. It's yeah. no different than the local play or whatever. Um, obviously, you want to worry about privacy and some other issues. But I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of fear on the other side that if your kid's image is up, you know, the soccer's will come out. There's dangerous people online. Yeah. But, you know, there are downtown also. I wouldn't drop my kid off downtown by himself. Mm -hmm, I'm not going to mm -hmm. leave him on the Internet by himself. Yeah. And if I can participate in that, that's a healthy way that we can see where it leads. You know, maybe we'll get some free tickets to a show or a free air fryer. Uh, we're probably not gonna become multimillionaires, um, but we might get some cool little things and have fun working together. Uh, and that's what the route I think that parents should take. So anything for fame part two will be <laughs> following the parents like us, you following you, following me as we accompany our kids on this, <laughs> down this kind of path. What, what, do you, what does anything for fame tell us about the kind of films that you want to make moving forward. Yeah, you know, so when I first created uh, the White Ninja Vine series, you know, that was the first animated series on Vine. Um, and I'm always really interested on this kind of new technology and how does it change us? And what are the conversations we have from there? So Vine was seven seconds, like what a challenge. Like how do you make an animated series in seven seconds, 60 episodes? Uh, with Anything for Fame, you know, we're looking into kind of these extreme behaviors amongst influencers and why is this happening mm -hmm. um, but again it's it's this generational shift and I think my body of work will always be in some ways related to that uh, I think just having grown up pre-internet and then you know really you know I, my youth was as the internet was coming online MSN Messenger AOL you know all that kind of stuff ICQ yeah <laughs> do you remember ICQ the little flower I actually don't. Oh my god! Oh, see, this is I'm old. I'm because I'm nine years older than you. It was one of the very first messaging. Uh, I don't even know if it was an app at that point. You know, you you use the dial-up internet. You download. It takes like hours and hours to download ICQ. It was like a little flower, and as you as you logged in, like the petals would like you know light up. And I sound like I'm talking about you know how I communicated with like messenger pigeons and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> It was a thing. Yeah, MSN. <laughs> uh, yeah, chat was mine, and yeah, like again, it's. I, I think it's. It's such an interesting period for all of us who are pre-internet, and then this generation now that's always had the internet. Yeah. And I think there's a ton of conversations to be had around that. Um, I think there's some great questions to be asked about how are we controlling the platforms? How are the platforms controlling us? Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot to explore there. Well, I am excited to see where you're going to take us next Teller Funk thank you for being here an absolute honor it was so much fun where can people find you follow you watch your own videos various things in your life going on so I'm 
Uh, my Instagram sucks. You know, it's pretty, it's it's just stuff that may, brings me joy. It's me, my kids, my wife. It's not really like, I, I think it's like, if you're a fan of the film, you would come to my Instagram and you'd be like, what? Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't really do much on social media, to be honest. Even though, you know, I work full time as a director, um, I'm not out there. People are always welcome to message me. Send me an email. Uh, my contact info is on my website, northernow.ca. Um, you said that really fast. What is the website? <laughs> uh, my, my production company is northofnow. Northofnow.ca. Okay. Yeah. So my info's there. Um, I Zoom with people that want to become filmmakers or filmmakers at different stages, people that are ahead of me, people that are all parts of their journey. Uh, I love going for coffee with people. Um, honestly, I think like a personal connection is always more fun. Um, and so uh, that's where I'd say, you know, if, if we have something to chat about, send an email. I'll get back to you. Um, Such an old. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you don't need to follow solidarity. me. You just follow the cats, you know, follow what brings you joy. And oh, so many great cats. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I'm going to pop uh, into the footnotes for this episode. Um, some of my favorite cats that I follow uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm looking at you, Stepan, the Ukrainian cat, Lviv. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and I'll put northofnow.ca there as well. And also, I'm going to pop a link to a nfb.ca because as of November 8th, that will be available. Anything for Fame will be available for free on the National Film Board of Canada's streaming platform, which is the website. So that's amazing. amazing. I love the NFB. Yeah, I was just saying I should definitely mention like for all the filmmakers listening, get in touch with the NFB. Uh, yeah. Pitch them your project. They're an absolutely amazing um it's such an we're so lucky to have them in Canada. Yeah, and they're iconic, iconic. What well, growing up what was your favorite uh national film board project? The cat came back. The cat you know, came I back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how it could ever get better. Um, you know, uh maybe that was the first viral video. I feel like in libraries across Canada. Um <laughs> Between that and the um the log drivers uh waltz also very good. Oh, NFB. Okay, I'm going to pop links to all of that stuff in the footnotes too. Thanks for being here, Tyler. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Uh, Why Your Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Rani Mera Furminger, and it's edited by Here Come the Furminger, Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and Paul Furminger for technical support. Why Your Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Find us on all the socials at YVR Screen Scene and at Sabrina Arf on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts for free and at our home on the web at YVRScreenScene.com. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hi friends, Kat Law Hayquist here and I'm excited to introduce you to TheDramaClass.com. TheDramaClass.com provides online workshops and classes designed to provide inspiration and instruction in the sometimes overlooked areas you need to be successful in your acting career. Things that they don't often cover in studio classes. Things like tax prep for actors, the power of costume in getting a job, what to do if you primarily work on camera and find yourself with a voiceover audition, what you can do to adjust your performance to the camera lenses being used, and so much more. Maximize your opportunities by filling in the gaps that will make your craft your career. Visit us at thedramaclass.com, sign up for our newsletter, follow us on social, and explore what will take you to the next level.